Amen, amen. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, I really just want to talk a little bit tonight, just shortly, and get us to a time of prayer. Uh, just to have fun in, in God's house and be about His, be this, this people and, and let the Holy Spirit do what He wants to do tonight. Uh, we've been talking about being a people of light and asking ourselves the question, are we a people, uh, are we becoming a people worth becoming? We're always in a process. I don't think we're ever going to get there. Jesus got there because we couldn't get there. If I could be perfect, he didn't have to come. And I know I'm always in the process of being sanctified, being made holy as he is holy. Uh, and I'm safe and secure in my position of salvation that I'm, as, I'm holy enough to go straight into heaven. But I know I'm always, like Paul said, I'm always working out on the inside. I'm Outwardly, I'm holy, but inwardly, I'm always trying to work on that, that issue. I want to become what he's already helped me become. Does that make sense? And so um, I want to live up to the standard he's already provided for me. And so part of that is that becoming a people of light. We should be a people that shine outwardly like Jesus, that people would look and say, I want to be like that person. I want to have the attitude of that person. And so often in the church world, we get the checklist down. I, I get the Holy Spirit. I, I tithe. I worship. I go give. I'm on this team or that team. I'm a Sunday school teacher. I can speak in tongues. Uh, but then there's a lot of character issues, uh, even beyond the fruits of the Spirit. We can even memorize the fruits of the Spirit and all those big words and love, joy, peace, patience, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. But even there's other little gray areas. And really we're focusing on the gray areas uh, that often we can kind of get away with sometimes. Uh, and tonight, uh, I want to talk about being demanding, if I can, all right? Or rude. We'll call it demanding. But, uh, you know... Uh, We've had multiple guests come down from the north, you know, Beth and I, Beth's from Missouri, and I was born down here, but lived in Missouri a lot of my life, and we've had visitors come down, even guest missionaries come down and say, man, people in the south are really, really nice, and I, I, you know, that's true, if you've been other places around, people in the south really are more uh, conscious of manners. For instance, we went, we took a missionary out to eat one time, uh, I don't know, a year or so ago, and we went down to uh, the brisket house down here. And he saw a young person come out of the door and hold the door open, like a teenager, for us. And it just amazed them, because in where they were from, I can't remember, up north somewhere, that it just didn't happen. So they were like totally, wow, it's crazy to see a teenager open the door for somebody. And it's just kind of like normal, hopefully for us in our homes. But it's, no, also, it's also no secret that anywhere you go in the United States, uh, I've heard it from multiple sources that... Uh, and maybe you've been a waiter or waitress before, but what do they say the worst day in time to work is in the food industry? They say it's Sunday lunch. You ever heard that before? Multiple people will report that, that the worst time to work is when the Christians get out of church. Now, why is that? Why is that? Uh, and it's amazing. We can go to a church service sometimes, and then we click, quickly we can return to getting home, and then the gossip comes on because the family calls, and this happened. Or, you know, the, the anger gets back in the car. That fight that you started on the way to church stopped, and you pick it right back up after you left off. You know, everybody's looking at other people. You know, I see it. Uh, you know, uh, those kind of things happen. It's like, man, didn't we just get out of church? Uh, and so... Sometimes it's, it's crazy to think that we can go out to eat on a Sunday afternoon and Christians can be rude or demanding to other people. And it clearly, what does it say to the world? What does it say to those waitresses, those business owners, uh, that when we go and we leave the place a wreck, when we leave that restaurant? 
Now, that's not one of the fruits of the Spirit, clean up after the restaurants, but it should say something about who we are, right? Uh, and so in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul is writing to this very, very immature church. And man, they can, they can speak in tongues with the rest of them. They can, they can see demons cast out. They've seen miracles, right? But this, it, this church is very immature. At the center, and he begins to talk to them about all these spiritual gifts. And at the middle of the spiritual gifts, Paul places a chapter on love as the central, a core foundation of what God is wanting his church to become. And whilst we're growing in the Lord, central to it all is love. And so this church, man, they've had problems with women versus men in worship. What can men do? What can women do? And so people thought it was rude that women were doing certain things in church. Uh, they were having disorder in communion, having the Lord's Supper. Rich were eaten away from poor. Uh, they've had uh, difficulties in uh, spiritual manifestations. People were speaking in tongues and doing all kind of crazy stuff uh, at the wrong times and making a, a scene. They had division about people who could eat food sacrificed to idols. Maybe we should eat that. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should go to the movies. Maybe we shouldn't go to the movies. Maybe we should hang out over there. Maybe church people should wear this. Maybe they shouldn't. They had all these little picky things. Uh, and some people were even suing other people in the church. And in any case, they weren't always shooting one another right, even in the church. And so they were, some were offending. Some were being offended. And in all the while, they were all offending God. That's kind of the sum of that whole letter, all right? You're offended, she's offended, he's offended. Okay, you're all offending God. Get over yourselves. Let's talk about something. Let's talk about love. It's at the very beginning, or it's at the, and the central to all that Paul was telling them how to fix themselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. We're just going to look at two verses tonight, really two phrases. I'm bringing the new living, and it says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't be rude. All right. Uh, and it does not demand its own way. We're going to look at that phrase. It is not irritable. It, it keeps no records of being wrong. Uh, I, I like, I'm an old man at heart. I know I'm 32, about to be 33. But uh, I like the oldies. I like classics. I like, you know, I, I like Frank Sinatra, you know, in, in measure. And one of his songs is, I Did It My Way. How many of you have heard this songs before? You know, and now the end is near, and now I face the final curtain. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm not going to sing it for you. But you get it. You can go listen to it online. But, but it says, you know, the whole premise of the song is, I did life my way. I really don't care what you think. I, I ate it up, I spit it out, and I'm glad I did it my way. I don't have any regrets. And Paul is saying something completely opposite. He says, love does not demand its own way. And for weeks, that phrase has been on my heart. Love does not demand its own way. Christians do not demand their own way. They demand God's way. We demand, or we ask God, hey, God, what do you want us to do? Uh, and so are we shining as a people of light, and are we dealing with the issue of being rude and demanding? Uh, and we're going to work through that tonight. So let's talk about being demanding. Two things, he, or two words there. He says rude and demanding. And so uh, if you've seen the episode, my wife likes the show Full House, um, Fuller House, whatever it is now, and Stephanie Tanner on there, she always says, well, how rude, right? Those of you who grew up on that show, how rude, right? Uh, what is rude? It means being offensive or impolite. It means being disrespectful. Some people who are uppity might say it's being uncouth, you know, short or blunt, uh, disrespectful. It means being discourteous. Uh, in the New American Standard, this phrase is not translated as rude, uh, but it's saying this. It says, a person of love Love itself does not act unbecoming. 
doesn't act unbecoming. That's very unbecoming of you. Uh, it's not offensive. It's not impolite. Love is not disrespectful. You know, we can love someone and really have a really bad argument with them. You know what I'm talking about? If you've been married for a little while, sometimes words flare out of there that aren't very loving. I love my wife, but I probably haven't always said the best things that might have been the most respectful way in, you know, 11 years of marriage coming up. You know, so, uh, sure, I can be short with my wife sometimes. I love her, but love is not short. Love is not blunt. Love is not discourteous. Love is not unbecoming. And so he says, hey, how rude. You guys have been rude to one another. How rude you've been to one another and the people of God. You know, I know church people that will walk right past other people in Walmart. I, as a pastor, there's been several times I've been ignored, you know, seriously, in Walmart before. I've had people see, see me going this way, and they'd turn around and go the other way before, right? You think I'm joking. It's true. I'm like, well, how rude, you know. Uh, and, and so maybe they were skipping church that week or something. They felt guilty. I don't know what it is. But, uh, you know, and he says, okay, so love is not rude, and it's not demanding either. And there's something about this word I think God just wants to instill in us uh, as a deeper, in a deeper way as people of God. You know, and something can be physically demanding, like, for instance, going on a youth trip this weekend with uh, 16 other people, or 15 other people, 11 students, uh, and trying to wrestle uh, two big young people who think they can take on a 30-year-old, 33-year-old pastor in a hotel room. That was physically demanding. Or a job, you get a new job, and you're uh, loading boxes or something. Uh, you know, that's physically demanding. But what does it mean when a person is demanding? You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever met a person who's demanding, right? What does that mean? Uh, in, the, in Matthew 18, there was the parable of the unforgiving debtor. Maybe you heard this before, but briefly, you know, this king forgives the debt of this evil servant. And he forgives this great measure of debt because he's a loving king. So this guy goes off, but what does he do? He turns to a person who owes him just a little bit. And immediately he demands instant payment, even choking the guy, saying, you've got to pay me now uh, because you owe me. Well, what does the king do? Well, the king finds out and then he has him killed, basically, because, hey, I wasn't demanding payment with you. I forgave your debt. How can you not forgive that debt? And that's what God is, Christ was speaking in that moment. It's like, God, guys, God has forgiven you so great a measure of sin that you owed him a price you could never pay, and you were due to go to hell's jail for eternity. And how dare you, as a believer, now being freed of debt, freed of guilt and shame, freed of the consequences, now demand any repayment by anybody? How dare we demand anything uh, because we've been so uh, graciously forgiven? It's kind of like when you go to that restaurant and uh, that waitress messes up your order, and what do we do? I mean, I know some people I might not want to go eat with because I just, it makes me uncomfortable. You know, and they're like, I, I want this right. I'm going to send this steak back once. It better be right. Oh, I'm going to send it back twice because it still ain't right. I'm going to send it back three times. It still ain't right. I'm just going to eat it. I don't know about you. I'm just, I'm not a social, I don't like getting out of social situations. You know, just personally, I'm, I'm kind of shy as a person. But I know some people are like, well, if that's not right, I'm going to send it back. And if that's not right, I'm going to send it back. Or, you know, and, and we could be so, de- some, some believers even can be so demanding uh, when people uh, offend us or people uh, in, uh, fail before us that we say, hey, this is the standard. And demanding people, uh, one, one definition talks about demanding people make others work hard to meet high standards. 
They give orders. Now, we're not talking about people's bosses here, but they can be nagging. Demanding people can be insensitive. They can be hard to please. Some people would call them maybe high maintenance. Uh, Men, don't look anywhere at your wife or anything like that. Uh, High maintenance, challenging uh, to be a person. They're challenging people to be around. Uh, And, you know, Proverbs talks about nagging people. Specifically, uh, Solomon warns his son. He says, hey, be careful. Choose your wife wisely. Because if you marry a nagging wife, a demanding wife, he said, it's like Chinese water torture. You know, he's saying it's like that drip that never goes away. I'm I'm quoting the Bible here, y'all. It says it's he, he even says this. He says. Guy, he's telling his son, he says, son, before you marry, you better make sure she's not a nagging, demanding woman. He says, he said, it's better to live on the corner of your roof than with a nagging wife in the house. Scripture. That's marriage counseling 101 right there. (laughs) Make sure you're not marrying a demanding person, a nagging person. But demanding here, demanding in the New American Standard says, instead of demanding, it says, it does not seek its own way. Am I, yeah, am I seeking, self-seeking? Am I always self-pleasing, wanting my way? And, and, and it's either my way or the highway, and that's the relationship. So many marriages in problems today because they're self-seeking, they're demanding, they're rude, they're insensitive, and not full of love. And Proverbs twenty-nine twenty-three says, A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit, that's the opposite of demanding, the humble in spirit will retain honor. And there's something about when we become a people of light that God begins to lift us up in honor. And we begin to say, God, I'm, I'm gonna, I know I have an issue with this. Maybe I'm a little demanding. Sometimes I can be insensitive. Sometimes I can be a little pushy. And so now I'm just going to say, God, I'm going to be working on this humble and spirit thing, not always seeking my own way. I'm going to act becoming. And Paul writes about Timothy in Philippians chapter 2, verse 20. He's writing. He's, he's in need. Paul doesn't have a lot of help these days. Uh, and he says, there's only one guy left that I can send to you. He's talking to this church. He says, there's only one guy left I can send to you. And he says it this way. He says, it's his, Timothy. That's the only guy I got left. I need some help in ministry, but this guy's legit. Philippians 2.20, he says, For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. When you begin to put your needs second and Christ Jesus' needs first, and you begin to put other, uh, your needs second and, and other people's needs first, it makes a difference. Paul's looking around and he's saying, guys, he's wrote this letter to the Corinthians. Later on, he's, he's writing this letter to uh, the church of Philippi. He says, guys, the only people, the, I got one guy. And man, he shines out over all of the rest. He is not demanding. He is not rude. And I know if I send this guy to you, this is a guy who's been awesome on our praise team, man. He has been the greatest usher. Now, Timothy's done a lot of things. He's become an evangelist and a pastor. He's worked his way up. He's followed me around. He's been loyal. He's been faithful. He's been dependent, man. And when he comes, I know this guy, he's going to genuinely care for your welfare and for this church. And he's not like these other people who have been seeking their own way. Man, this guy seeks the way of Jesus Christ above all else, and he loves his church. He shines. He's a person of light. He's not unbecoming. He's becoming like Jesus. Amen? And what about us? Is that a reputation? Look at the reputation of this young man. You know, it's hard to find good help these days, they say, right? And I think that's no different than even in the church. There's men and women like Timothy are in short regard in the kingdom of God. There were a lot of saved people. You know, there's a lot of saved people in a lot of churches. 
but people who are shining. That's what I'm talking about tonight. We can get, you can come down to an altar and get saved, and you're, man, you're going to be in glory. You're coming to heaven. But after that, man, start working on shining like Jesus. Start working on becoming something worth becoming. Because even though we leave the altar, there's still a lot of junk that we got to figure out. You're saved. You may have issues to work through, but God is wanting to shine through you and that you would be a person that other people would look and say, man, that guy is a shining light in the house of God. And when he goes out of this place, man, people speak awesome of him or her because he is seeking not his interests, but Christ's interests. Amen. Amen. Very good. So demanding. What's the opposite of demanding? Courteous. Courteous. The world is a demanding place. And Jesus said, man, when you go to this, the streets, someone might slap you. Give them the other cheek. If they demand your coat, give them your shirt. And he says, worldly people might even demand what is rightfully yours, but you're not even to demand it back in Luke 6, 29 and 30. And that's big stuff, right? We, we think, okay, sure, that doesn't happen too much to me in my daily week. I don't often get slapped. That's not normal. Maybe my wife every now and then. No, not really. Uh, She's shaking her head. We don't, we don't, I don't live always at that level, right? I'm not, no one's stealing my coat. I haven't had to do that yet. But there's some things that we can give away and let other people get away with as a Christian. Can I say that? There are some things, it's okay if they forget my McDonald's fries. I don't have to make a scene about it, right? I can get over it. Heaven will still be there. You know what I mean? There's, there's things that are, are going to okay, right? I just let it go. Uh, you know, and we used to say that, um, that's just common courtesy, right? There's not too much of that going on in America today. Common courtesy. What is that? That's that's the social norms of politeness that used to exist everywhere. Right. And so we would say, well, that's just common courtesy. Well, today, as the world gets darker, we've got to get lighter. We've got to get brighter. And, and God's people should be courteous. What does the word courteous mean? It means gracious. Gracious, it means undemanding, it means giving favor. Gracious can even mean being polite. We're, we're polite, we're courteous, we're gracious. We're extending that hand. We're not just thinking about our McDonald's fries, we're thinking about the waitress that needs Jesus. Or that person at the checkout counter that needs Jesus. We're not worried if they mess up. I've told you before, but there was a time I went to Walmart, and I have no joke, this lady rung up my order, my checkout thing wrong 20 times. She went through there, and she thought it was dinging, and it wasn't. It was going ding, 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 ding. I saw, I saw it on the register. Ding, 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 20 times. And she had no clue how to take it all off. It took me like 20 minutes, and I'm sweating, you know. And I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, this is the longest Walmart trip ever. And she just could not figure, she just knew, could not figure how to get 20 items off the list. And eventually, I was just ready to pay the whole bill and be done, right? But, you know, we could, I could have made a scene about it. I could have been like, oh, my gosh, how could you? I could have ran it about it, went home. You won't believe how bad that person was. And da, da, da. That's a person. That person needs Jesus. That person needs grace. That person needs me to care for them, to love on them. And that's us. Are we a people of light? Yeah, sure, we're not smoking and doing crack and, and on meth and all that. You know, the, people, the big stuff, the big sins, you know. But no, more often we'll shine in the little things when that person, we, man, I thank God that person was gracious with me. That today, man, I had a really rough day. But that person did not get upset. They were really polite, even though I messed up. It was my fault. That's what that person in the world needs to see the church becoming, yeah. right? We could give them a little church card or, you know, hey, man, it, just, it looks like you had a bad day. I could go, we could go back and say, man, that was a coffee on me. I know you had a really bad day. I'm, I know you screwed up my order, but I just want to bless you. That's the kingdom of God. That's the people that really make a difference in this world. 
And it's not a people who are demanding, but it's a people who are gracious. Uh, and there's something about the people of light that uh, Warren Wiersbe, he says, there's a graciousness about the person who acts from Christian love. It's a, a charm that the world cannot give. It's true love that's seeking only the good of others, and it's unselfish. I love that. That there is a charm of Christians the world cannot mimic. There's genuine, authentic graciousness. There's genuine, authentic courteousness. There's genuine, authentic politeness. You know, we can train somebody to be polite, and, and we can, I can spank my, my girls when they get older to, to be polite, but they may only do it for a season while they're under my roof because it hasn't become their nature. I, I, I'm disciplining them, hoping that it will become. But there's the same thing with a Christian. I can know the rules, but it's not my nature. I want my children to grow up in the nature of being well-mannered and polite and courteous. And the same thing is true. As I begin to get more of the Holy Spirit in me, I will take on the nature of a gracious person, of a person who's not demanding. And so in Romans 15, verse 2 it's, Paul says, he says, each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification, for even Christ did not please himself. But as is written, the reproaches of those who reproached me, you fell on me. Jesus was gentle. He was gentle and all of our faults, all of our failures fell on him. People began to beat him. The Bible says he uttered not a word. He didn't curse them. Even the whole time he's saying, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. He was not self-seeking. He was not demanding. The Bible even says that he was gentle, lowly. And as I grow in the maturity of knowing him, I should become like him. And even Paul paints that picture when he tells Timothy, Hey, Timothy, you need to look for people in your church to help lead your church. And some of the qualifications for an overseer of the church, he says, were this. He says they should be respectable and hospitable. They're the men and women of honor. That he's, he's looking, saying, there's a natural progression. The longer you're with Christ, you should take on his attitude, his demeanor, his character. They should be a gentle people, a courteous people, a people who are not demanding, people who find that the community begins to respect them. You know, there are, the world respects, there in a lot of ways, now sometimes they'll persecute us and all that, but in a lot of ways a, a moral, good Christian person who is gracious and courteous and polite and not demanding in the secular workplace, they will be shining like a light. There will be other people, worldly people, sinners will begin to take notice. Even if they don't agree with our doctrine or position, even if they'll never come to our church with us, they'll notice something about you that you're not like the rest of the people in your workplace. They'll notice that you give grace. Paul even tells uh, Christian slaves, he says, respect your master because you're serving the Lord. And so he comes to that church, and I close with this, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24, he says, let no one seek his own good but that of his neighbor. He tells him, he says, guys, we've got to avoid these foolish controversies, all this strife, all the religious disputes. He says, it's all unprofitable, it's all worthless, he says, if the problem is uh, in belief issues and if it's arising about what you should or shouldn't do as a Christian, he says, here's, the, here's what I'm giving you. 1 Corinthians 10, 33, he says, Please all men in all things, do not seek your own profit, but the profit of many, so they may be saved. I want to be a light in the community, not demanding my own way in the church, not demanding my own way in the community, that somebody might see and be saved. That's what this is all about.
God, help us as a people to be gracious, courteous, humble in spirit. And the result of this is that people are getting saved. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. God has been gracious and merciful, slow to anger with us. He's been abounding in loving kindness. And how should we be shining likewise in the world today? Are we a people who are shining like Jesus? Hallelujah. Let's just, do, let's just for a moment, let's just seek the Holy Spirit just for a little bit right here and ask Him what He wants to do in our hearts, what He wants to speak, how we should respond. And uh, we're just going to ask Him to have His way in the next few moments. I just believe God's going to work on our hearts and grow us into a Christ-likeness. And so, Father God, we just bow our hearts before You tonight and say, Lord, help us not to be self-seeking, not to be unbecoming, that somebody in our community and our family and friends might be saved. And also that in our churches, that we would not cause offense or strife or division, but people would see the maturity of the faith, the growing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, have your way in us. Have your way in us. We don't demand our own way, Lord. We want your will to be done. Jesus, you were gentle. You were humble of heart. You were lowly. God, help us to be lowly with you. Help us to be lowly with you. Holy are you, Lord Jesus. Worthy are you, Lord God. Have your way in us. Father, Lord, I pray if there's any issue in my heart, God, where I've been insensitive to others, Lord, where I've been demanding, where I've been self-seeking, where I've been pushy, God, where I've been proud, Lord, help me, Lord, to be sensitive. Let me seek the well-being of others, even in the little things, God. Let me not be so quick. And, Lord, we might be working good on the big things, but in the little things, in our attitudes, oh, God, are we demanding? Are we being rude, Lord? And, and, and when we are, our tempers flare, our buttons get pushed, God, what comes out of us? Is the Christ-like nature truly in us that we are peaceable with all men and women? Here's what I want to do tonight. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to invite you let's just to come and, and stand around this altar and ask God to remake our hearts, remake our minds, and just to put more of His Spirit in us. But uh, here's what I feel like our response, our take-home is this. they got a perfect song for this. I didn't even think about it. Jesus paid it all. Forgiveness is possible because, not because someone is able to pay you back. When that person does me wrong, that person messes up my order, that person messes up my spreadsheet or whatever it is. Forgiveness for that action has already been paid at the cross. I'm not in the, in the fault part, part. Yes, they may have offended me, but because I've offended Jesus Christ so much more, the greater fault is on, on His plate, right? And so what I do is I'm just saying, God... I'm believing, Lord, you've paid enough that your cross was enough for this person's mistake. Maybe someone stabbed you in the back. Maybe someone's cursed you up and down. Maybe someone's, you know, stolen money from you or whatever. Here's the deal. The cross has paid enough for their mistake. They can't pay enough for their mistake. They could never pay you back. 
All you've got to do is believe and trust Jesus is enough to pay you their mistake. Does that make sense? They, they can't pay you back. They'll never be able to pay you back. Those words they said over you, they'll never gonna, you can't ever get enough back from them. But what you can do is say, I know where the storehouse is. I know where the bank of heaven is. And even though that person can't pay me back, I know God can pay me back. I know God can mend that need, mend that hurt, mend that brokenness. So the next time I'm offended, the next time I want to be demanding and insist on something, hey, you just, I need this. You, you got to do this in my life. You got to fix this. I don't go to that person. I go to the cross. Jesus has paid it all. Amen? Would you just come? Let's just stand across the front. We're just going to sing this chorus and, and ask God to, to bless us and fill us with his spirit. And uh, let's just receive for him as they sing this song. Would you come? Let's just pray, praise him together for a moment. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus.